KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday. Again, we are together for two hours. No guests, all you home improvements. Scott Mosby here at the helm. I pledge you my very best, and we're going to do the best to take care of your home. Whether it's maintenance, do-it-yourself, repairs, or major improvements to your home, maybe minor improvements, perhaps talking about paint colors. What is the science and process for selecting paint colors, we can get into that and more. As it relates to the outside of your home, it is, I know despite all efforts, uh, the rain will subside. Just think about the fall coming when we have this kind of wonderful spring rains. The, well, the weeds are very happy. Our lawns get very happy. And the fall leaf colors are beautiful so keep in mind we are now in the springtime rain is coming helotech is standing by and you and i are together for two hours three one four four three six seven nine hundred is the phone number that puts us together i'll do my best to answer your question if i don't know the answer i will ask for help of many of our listeners because we are a community of camo x together we are in this like it or not, in St. Louis and the Midwest, by golly, we are together as a community. So 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My day job is owning Mosby Building Arts. Um, we were founded in 1947 by my father, and I have a ton of people that are with me in Mosby trying to keep you well-informed right here on KMOX. Every new idea, new product, uh, we tend to try most of those things not on projects or clients, but we tend to try them out um, on our own work or test products. We've got panels in the backyard out at the office in Kirkwood where we're located, and we try stuff out to see how it works. Also, we are vertically integrated. Basically, we have every trade under the sun as part of Mosby Building Arts, so we are what's called full service, and in the national world of remodelers, we are considered one of the largest full service service remodelers in the country. And with that, we have connections to some of the larger, best-trained building scientists, um, companies that are out there like ourselves in different climates, trying those new things as well. So part of that and part of my job, as well as really those in Mosby Building Arts, is to connect with other smarter people across the country uh, and outside of our community, as well as inside our community, and put people together on peer groups so they can you know call uh, their head of production in Maryland or in California wherever it is and uh, bounce ideas off each other with that the the net bottom line to you is we know some stuff we know what doesn't work and we've tried more than even our efforts are worthy because we have a network of companies that are out there trying all that stuff as well. You are the beneficiary of that right here on the Home Improvement Show of X. I bring all that and more. My teammates, the whole staff at Mosby Building Arts, um, you know, I get texts throughout the show of, hey, don't forget, remember that it's, uh, you know, that second light switch might be it, or the ground fault circuit interrupter might be down in the hallway close to the bathroom that controls the uh, GFI in the garage 
garage on the other end. You know, silly things like that. They happen. But likewise, we have a whole community at Mosby Building Arts serving you right through Camo X. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120, toll free anywhere on the globe. Um, consider me your research and development staff. If you're a DIY person, I'm here to help you so you can stay out of the uh, ruts and the potholes and the ditches with the efforts. Uh, I really believe in um, things happening efficiency, efficiently and as expeditiously as they can. So I, I may ask some probing questions, my apologies, but sometimes it, it matters to remain what is the actual goal. For example, I get uh, questions about gutters and, and ice dams. Well, gutters and ice dams are related to attic ventilation and insulation as well as gutters and roofs. So uh, that might also have something to do if you have a dormer in the area and the dormer is improperly flashed, the water can flow underneath the shingles on top of the felt paper perhaps, contribute to ice damming during the cold months, and then that comes through as a roof leak during the warmer days. You know, so there's a lot of questions that I ask that uh, seem like I'm clueless and I'm out in left field. I am not clueless, but I am out in left field. So I will ask those questions and uh, try and drill down to what they are. Um, I'm human, fallible, not always correct. Uh, the reason I have a lot of these answers is I made a ton of mistakes. I mean, y y one would think I invented how to do it wrong because in the uh, seven decades of Mosby Building Arts, not only my father, uh, the, the people that he worked with throughout the years, as well as our company, Mistakes are made, and as an industry, for example, when uh, exterior stucco, EFS, E-I-F-S, you might know it um, as drive it, uh, STO, S-T-O, they're the uh, artificial plaster materials installed over foam. Great idea, unless you live in the Midwest and the air is loaded with moisture in the form of vapor humidity, and it gets trapped inside that wall, deep inside that foam, and you put this vinyl modified plaster material on the outside and you hold all that moisture inside the walls. As an industry, we rotted out houses because we didn't understand that we could not keep the moisture out. Moisture was endemic in the air and the environment. Uh, granted, we don't have the same problems here as we do in Toronto, Canada, or Minneapolis, or down in Florida, uh, the Florida Keys. So. As the uh, temperature and the um, climate changes, um, you know, so too do the methods as well. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We're off and running. We've got some great questions on the board already. Um, uh, warming up here just a moment. Uh, anyway, uh, I will be on the air for two hours today. Stay tuned. Phone lines, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Keep in mind, I spoke about the coloration or color selections and color choices. Um, and I, I, I really get up on my stump with this because uh, if a roofer or siding or window, what, what color do you want your new roof? Boy, how do you better put some real thought into that? Because ladies, if you've ever put the wrong mascara or the wrong lipstick or too much or too little eyeliner, if you've ever blown that coloration cosmetic process of preparing for the day, you know what I'm talking about. It is so easy to get it wrong. 
And it takes a lot of effort, time, and training to follow Mother Nature and get it right. Well, that relates to front porches. That relates to siding. That relates to roofing. That relates to trim paint. That relates to lighting. What are the highlights of the home at dusk or after dusk that are worthy of magnifying with nighttime landscape lighting? Uh, and, I, and here's the premise. Rule number one, there is nothing, nothing I can do as a contractor that is prettier than Mother Nature. Don't mess with Mother Nature. She is grand. She is undefeated. And, oh, by the way, all this coloration stuff, Mother Nature invented all that stuff. So call it the good Lord. Call it Mother Nature. Whatever it is, there is a science to these things. And if you miss that coloration, for example, you try to get too matchy-matchy, and you match one color, and it's a shade or shade and a half off, that's worse than being the wrong color because it's obvious to the naked eye and people drawing up, dri- driving up. It's like, oh boy, they just missed that. So anyway, three one four four three six seven nine hundred eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. As all this relates to me at Mosby Building Arts, it's about bathrooms and kitchens and siding and roofing, window trims, coloration of the pavement, whether it's black asphalt, white concrete, exposed aggregate driveways, all those things, paver colors. If you get it right, boy, I mean, it just feels good. It creates that. Ah, sense of home. When you come around the corner and you see that house, all those colors balance, there you go. And for those of you that have done all this work and invested all that money and you didn't quite get the colors right, <laughs> you spend a lot of money on almost getting there. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. So the coloration, the staffing, the business model, the things we do and how we go about doing it at Mosby Building Arts is pretty much all around that coloration. Design is an added value. It can either add free value to your project by getting it right or it can detract uh, value from your home when you get it wrong. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, we're going to come right back, get right on the phone lines. Bosco's cranking out 50,000 watts. We're ready to roll. Scott Mosby here on KMOX. I will be right back. Welcome back to the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, wow. Hey, congratulations to Suburban Leisure Center, our co-sponsor here, along with Helotech of the Home Improvement Show. I promise, the, I promise, Scouts Honor, the weather will improve, and we will need those patios. So if you're looking for something to do now with all the rain that's happening, if you get a chance to scrub down your patio, your deck, your drive, whatever it is, I mean, not power washing, it gets pre-soaked by all this stuff. So you can, you know, just soap and water and a good rinse. You can actually clean things up pretty well. Let's go back to the phone lines here. Get started. Fire up with my friend John and see what's happening. John, good morning. Welcome to CamWex. How can I help you, sir? Scott, thank you very much for your service. I I presume I'm the John you're talking to. You are. You're my buddy right now. All right. Tell you where I'm at. I'm working on a a bathroom. It's a small one, like five by six. Okay. Uh, And I'm looking at trying to put uh, new material over old tile, mm-hmm. and uh, I've got a, a situation with the tub is not a straight line. It's got a 
Yeah. It's, it's an older tub, and it's got a it's a real nice-looking heavy-duty one, but it's got an indentation about four inches on each side where it goes in, and then it comes back out, goes across, and goes back uh, yeah. on both ends. That tells uh, me a ton about your house. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, the question with that putting in the, this new material, some kind of marvelous vinyl or something, over the old tile, I understand mm-hmm. you don't glue that down, that it floats. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, the side where the tub is, do I I have to put baseboard on three of the walls? Yes. Okay. The side where the tub is, can I just cut that to fit and, and caulk it? And Yes. Yes, and you glue it. That's one of the corners because the floating vinyl floor actually tightens over time like a drum head. And uh, I personally, I would choose a different material. If you, if I had that ceramic floor and all of that, um, I would go with the flow, which would be another ceramic floor. It would raise the floor up height-wise, so that's a downside. So it may be part of your decision on the vinyl. Well, I was looking for... Uh, not having to tear out all those little four-inch, it's got four-inch square tiles. Right, right. You can leave those in, and you can go over it with a hardy backer or a cement board and tile, but it's going to raise your floor up about seven-eighths of an inch. Okay, seven-eighths. Well, you kind of stumble into the bathroom then, probably. Yeah, so, I mean, you need a threshold then, but thresholds are typical at that. The point being is everything is cementitious. Water just doesn't mess with it. Um, You you need a membrane um, uh, like an underlayment. So, personally, I don't think I would glue that vinyl right over the tile. I would still put some sort of a tile cementitious underlayment under that vinyl. I know they say you don't have to, uh, but the issue is if those little uh, inch square tiles pop loose that perimeter glue and the eventual tightening shrinking of that vinyl sheet which brings it taut you know can pull some of those tiles loose so there's risk either way okay so the, the perimeter would be glued and the rest of it would just be fitted yes Yes, and basically the way to do this is a template with a piece of craft paper. Typically I cut the craft paper around the tub and I glue that together until I get a straight edge. Then I'll lay that over and tape that on the vinyl material, whatever it is. This is how we do countertops as well. And then we cut that vinyl to match, then lay it down, you know, dry fit it, just test the fit, and then trim it as needed, and then go ahead and trim the other two walls and the threshold entry door area as well well um but if you've got a baseboard you've got some space where you know you don't have to have it cut directly to the wall drywall either i would i maybe give you the wrong impression i wasn't planning on using a vinyl i was planning on using material that they're like uh 18 inches by 12 inches and they're tongue and groove and they you put them together yeah yeah what's the sub base on it what are they mounted to what's the material underneath it well, the material underneath it would be the old tile, unless it should that should that whole floor be refloated with some kind of cement uh, or liquid it, product. Yes, it does for the cracks and the grooves because if you have a big crack in that floor, it will telegraph through uh, that new vinyl floor. Uh, but when you say a tongue and groove, it has is this uh, thick enough that it's only a hundred percent vinyl, or is there another material mixed with it? Is this uh, like an Armstrong product? I, I'm sorry, I can't tell you. It 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 is about uh, almost an eighth, an eighth of an inch thick. Yeah, 
Okay. Um, yeah, that can be mounted over the tile, but you do need to float it because that eighth inch will telegraph. I mean, it's a hard material. Is it kind of hard? It, it's got a filler. It's a little more rigid than vinyl, just it's not as oh, pliable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I know what you're talking about. That technically, uh, you can put it over the old tile, but I would still underlay that, especially with a half-century old house. You've got a mud-set floor if you've got that shaped tub. Correct. Yeah, baby. Yeah. So, I mean, your floor, if you're messing with that floor, you're putting down a 30-year floor. Um, the subgrade, probably all that tile and mud set floor tile probably doesn't have 30 years in it before it starts cracking and telegraphing. So I would put down a hardy uh, tile, something like that, backer board. Some, the hardy board is pretty smooth, whereas the Duroc is not. But I'd put something down, uh, even the dense shield, uh, some smooth product that, uh, separate Schluter has a uh, float system for that, but it it keeps it isolates the new floor from the old floor cracks. This is not as easy as you think, unless you're willing to uh, let the old cracks come through in ten years. Well, the the, the option the, the unnecessary option for me would be uh, to to tear that tile out and then put the put backer board down and, and come up from come up from a solid surface that's not going to yeah, develop, I would well. agree. Boy, I hate it when you agree to something that's that much work. <laughs> well, this is this. I, I got into the colorations. This is you. You know what you're negotiating. What you and I are talking about now is whether this is going to be a 95 percent job or a 99.5 percent job, and it costs the same either way. <laughs> it's just how satisfied and how long the shelf life is of this project. Because if you go to 99 and a half percent. This project, you'll probably die before the project wears out. Yeah, I'm 79. I'm crazy for doing it. Yeah, well, tell me that when you're standing up about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, like, what am I doing up? You know, I know what you mean. <laughs> okay, Scott. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your show. Investment in doing it right is more, more, more than money. So the more your back hurts, the better this job's going to be. Well, I'm halfway there then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here. John. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Uh, just full disclosure, you kind of get doing it right matters to me. Um, and I have done all of these. I've shortcut It's like, ah, I'm just going to put a vinyl over there. So I get this nice-looking vinyl, and my wife looks at it and says, no, that's not pretty enough. We're getting something better, so we get a better. So we put a lot of money in this vinyl. Three years later, I'm ripping it out to put it in the right way. So when I was in my 20s, young homeowner doing all that stuff, you know, it, I get it. I've been there. But there are consequences to every decision. And if you don't make that decision or the lack of deciding that, you know, just close one eye and hope you're doing okay, that's a decision in itself. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's go see my friend Linda. Hey, Linda, good morning. Welcome to KMWX. How can I help? Hi. Thank you, Mike. Yes. Um, so I have a question. I bought re about... I bought recently a condominium and decided to renovate it, and it's a ranch with a walkout basement, but I wanted more living space on the main area, so I hired a renovator, remodeler mm -hmm. business to add on a sunroom. Okay. So the sunroom is on, you know, posts that are go into concrete piers that go down into the ground. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay, so it's all finished. I've been living here about a month, and I put a nail down three-quarter inch 
uh, hardwood throughout it. The problem is where that room adjoins the um, existing structure, where the new room adjoins the existing structure, yeah. there's a ridge right across there in the floor. Yeah. And if you lay a level on it, there's probably a three-quarter inch drop. Um, okay. Yes. And then this is the new thing. Just uh, a week ago, on one of the walls of the new addition, there are, like, humps that developed. There's two of them, and it, it looks like it's sunk on between them. It just looks like a little hill against that wall. And so the base trim, again, it sinks down about an inch um, where you can see drywall behind there. And then another hump, and then it sinks down, and then it levels off. Mm -hmm. Okay. What would be causing this, and how can I get it corrected the right way is what, what I'm, my question is, because I, I just don't know what's causing it. Was this uh, sunroom, was there a deck and full structure added as part of the sunroom, or did the sunroom go over an existing something? There had been a deck. I had it torn off, so this okay. was all totally new. Oh, wow. Uh, you should, number one. Um, I, I would not personally have um, allowed or installed solid wood flooring out there in a sunroom um, unless you're fully heating it four seasons, uh, uh, you know, true year-round. Okay. I am. It's a, yeah, it has really good windows in it, and it has a separate heating unit, even though it's mm -hmm. totally open. There's not a doorway or anything. I had them put a beam up above so that it could be totally open to the rest of the home. Okay. Um, you shouldn't have these problems, number one. Uh, if they built the whole structure, uh, that's something that I would contact them for. Uh, good companies tend to, you know, apologize and come right back, take care of it. Um, you know, one year, five year, ten year, whatever. You know, good companies just like, sorry, <laughs> we'll get it. Um, so why it's happening, I'm not sure. I suspect you may have, um, one of the problems is the walls to whatever type of structure, sunroom, room addition, whatever, have to allow the water to pass all the way through and drip down below on the yard, on, on the basement level of the house. If that water comes down and rests on, say, um, wood, sheathing or two by sixes or whatever that flashing material will allow the water or lack of flashing will allow the water to come back underneath your wall sections and under the floor and you'll have uh, and this gets to why i was kind of opposed to wood in the first place there's just more moisture that happens in that kind of a structure than others uh, because you've got to get the water off and away or else somehow even if it doesn't leak just the moisture humidity of that deck floor and that wall um, tend to mess with the interior floor wood, whether it's hardwood floor or plywood or whatever. So you've got moisture issues at those walls, which is why you're getting that movement of some sort. Um, so it's it's a how do you get the water from the walls and the windows on the outside down away and gone without sitting and soaking into the wood right next to that uh, uh, new room. You follow me on that? Okay. Well, I think so, but so the the ridge that's all the way across the where the new room joins to the mm -hmm. um, existing structure that wouldn't have been because of moisture, right? It's no, that's just a, 
No, that's just attachment. Uh, you know, in my dad's words, that would be blued, screwed, and tattooed. You know, you get that properly secured all the way across there. Um, you don't have now if you put a floor joist or a separate beam and you don't really tie it into the foundation and the structure of the house you can have separate independent movement because that room could be kind of independent um, and some you know some structures put posts right next to the house like that uh, but again tying it in that's all controllable on a new build which is what your room is it, it shouldn't but be. There's way. not a way that you know to correct that. Is what you're saying? Well, I, you know, it's theirs to correct. Basically, uh, whoever built this room, it's theirs to correct. Period. I, yeah, I just kind of wanted some. I was hoping for some information in case you know I don't get it resolved um, to be a little more informed about what needs to be done. But um, yeah. Okay. Well, well, I appreciate your help and. Yeah. The. The variation of floor going from the inside of the house to the outside of the house is just being thorough and aware and experienced in how properly to do that. Um, that issue, you know, should and could and can be corrected. Um, the issue of around that, the movement there, if you have a dry washcloth on the countertop and you then have a soaking wet sponge and you lay it on that dry washcloth, that dry washcloth is the same as the decking on your deck and it's wet and it will wick and soak into the dry whatever it's on or near. That's what I think is happening at the perimeter of your new sunroom walls, that it's okay. wicking and soaking. It's, it's, you know, you see, so it's subtle, but, you know, bottom line is it wreaks havoc with wood structures. So it's getting under the siding is what you're saying yeah. and getting into the wall and the floor yeah. somehow. Yeah, there's a two-by-four on that wall, or there is a metal plate underneath those panels for the sunroom system. Either way, you know, there's a, uh, even if that gets caulked down, what it's caulked to is wet. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your help. Yeah, uh, Linda, good luck. It's uh again this just gets into the, you know, how how experienced is that company installing it and how many times have they learned from previous uh mistakes. <laughs> That's what experience mm -hmm. is called. How many times have you made mm -hmm. that mistake now that you don't do it anymore? Mhm. Mm All right, well thank you. Okay, Linda, good luck. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Sometimes it's uh, um, hard answers. I, I will give you my truthful answers, uh, and I try to give you what's going on, kind of the, the cause, the physics and uh, cause and effect of why I think, you know, without seeing it, uh, what's happening. Uh, because, frankly, I'm a visual processor, and I'm fluent enough with my words, but when somebody's asking me questions, I'm looking at their wall. You know, I'm, if it's a sunroom, it's a metal structure with a you know a probably aluminum u-channel plate down likely caulked and screwed to the bottom decking probably a two by six or whatever the material is so i'm seeing these things um so everything i'm doing it's it's as if i'm watching a picture or i seem to just because of the way my mind processes i love this stuff can't help myself uh 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 scott mosby at your service we'll be back after this Welcome back to the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, Scott Mosby on KMOX. 
All right, back together. Beautiful day. We are a lovely day in the neighborhood, says Mr. Rogers. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Next up, let's talk with my friend, Mon Frere Jay. Hey, Jay, good morning. Welcome. How can I help? Good morning, Scott. Thanks for your show. Yes, sir. Um, about a year ago, or maybe a little less, I installed a Kohler kitchen faucet with a, a single-handle faucet. Yeah. Uh-huh. And... Um, we have a, a problem that developed a couple months ago where if you turn it on about halfway or so, the handle drops down by itself, almost to the point of shutting off. Mm-hmm. And we can't, I can't quite figure out what the solution is to keep it from doing that. It didn't do it when it was freshly installed, so I, I don't know what the issue is. And, well, now there's a Kohler. No, there's a cartridge in there. Um, this is uh, plumbing. Basically, there's a, a cartridge that sits down inside the faucet body. You know that right. when you do the, you lift up the handle and it aligns the two holes and the little O-rings and all that. And then there is a nut. Uh, you take off that handle, and and you typically there's something to screw down. Usually, it's a, it's got two slots in it, and you almost need a forked type plumbing wrench, and you tighten that. Um, nut for a lack of uh, housing nut down on that faucet um, uh, cartridge and it snugs that up. So uh, I, I urge you to <laughs> to get this done because if it's loose, it can also start leaking and it can leak down inside your cabinet for a long time before you know. So you've got to pull that handle off um, and, and maybe the spout, I'm not sure. Kohler's a little more complex on how they build their faucets, uh, uh, but you've got to tighten down the holder nut of that cartridge in that faucet. Uh, okay. Well, I'll give it a shot. Um, I think the handle comes off. Well, of course, when I got it, it was a all together and, you know, a single unit. Uh, yeah. I didn't have to reassemble it or anything like that. Yeah, pulling those um, colors apart is like rocket science sometimes because of how they hide all their fasteners. It can be it can be a PhD level removal. <laughs> that's uh that's what I was thinking because I don't recall seeing a, a hex nut or anything like that in the back, but maybe I just missed it. Well, there's no uh, hex nut, but it, it it has the same function as that hex nut that you're describing. It it just looks different. It has an arch body uh, hump usually to it. But uh, get on the Kohler.com web and type in the faucet number, and it'll give you an exploded diagram. And study that bl- diagram. You'll understand after looking at the pictures what we're doing. So I I um, you know I'd measure twice and cut once on this one. I'd do my homework, and then when I was willing to spend an hour or two or whatever it's going to take then go in after you understand how that um, faucet is put together okay well, i always do my like research i always do my research and and my studying separate from my actions so that when i go in i'm as knowledgeable as i can be because it's always different anyway so you go yeah. in as prepared as you can yeah the odd thing is about the same time i installed two deltas in the bathrooms and i'm having no problems and here we thought we would upgrade to something nicer for the kitchen by getting Kohler. And he's giving me all kinds of grief. But uh, Well, yeah, uh, yeah, but, you know, if you owned a Ferrari, you'd have more grief, too. So, uh, and, and I don't mean to say that. I'm just saying that Kohlers are more often installed by plumbers that have the skill set to avoid all this. Moans typically are a more 
more to the uh, consumer sales. So they literally pack their faucets sometimes different. They're ready to install, whereas Kohler is ready to uh, really, you know, expecting a pro to come in and nudge and adjust everything because, you know, a knowledgeable plumber only does it five or ten minutes. So no big deal for them. I imagine it's five or ten. It took me about two hours. Well, there. I mean, but I'm, my point is, is it's so easy for the pro when they do it all the time. And, and I understand that we've done some, uh, you know, significant room additions a hundred miles away from here, and you know, we basically had to import our plumber that knew how to put in the fixtures that the client wanted because you know nobody in that town knew how to mess with that stuff. It's different. Well, the interesting, interesting thing is, in all three faucets, putting it in was a breeze. That did take ten minutes. Yeah, it was yeah, getting they, the old one out. <laughs> getting the old one out that took two hours. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. you. And you and I don't have all the tools and toys. Uh, you know, I mean, plumbers run around with a freezing device that can freeze the water in the pipe next door. So they just cut a chunk out of the thing, put in a new faucet, shut off, and then you know uh, let the water free, thaw again. You know, I just don't have that tool. Plumbers do. Yeah. How we turn? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, when when that's all you do, you know, it, the, these issues are just and and they get them wrong still. But when they come back to fix it, you know, it's a ten or fifteen minute service call. So yeah, not a big deal. Well, I appreciate your help. I'll check out the website and see what I can figure out. Yes, sir. Good luck, Jay. It, uh, do your studying and then do your attack uh, and and uh, and provide. So great suggestion. All right. <laughs> well, good good luck to you. Thanks, Jay. Take care. Good luck to you, too, my friend. Bye now. Thank you. See you. All right. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Man, we've had some good questions. We have hit all three sides. We've got one more fourth corner of the box to get here. But, man, we have covered some stuff on the first uh, few calls. 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby at your service. Take a short pause and be back right after this. Welcome back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, isn't it grand when the sun shines and the weather is nice? Yeah, I think we put winter away behind us. Off we run. It is now springtime in St. Louis. Let's go see my friend Norma and see what's happening with her. Norma, good afternoon. How can I help you this fine morning? Yes. Hi, Scott. Yes. How are you? Yeah, I have a question. Uh, we put in a bathroom back in 1996, and we put really nice tile in it. Mm-hmm. And now I have noticed in the last couple of years that when you look at it in a certain light, you know, like when you turn your head, you can see what looks like maybe cracks in the glaze. But when mm-hmm. you run your finger across it, you don't feel anything. It's not raised up or anything. What causes that? And is there anything that I can do to make it fixed? It's more a cosmetic thing, I think. Uh, Usually that is in the firing and manufacture of the glaze itself. Uh, for example, um, maybe they, they fired it too hot or not hot enough or the glaze was faulty or it didn't crystallize at the right temperature. But when you well, get the thing crazy, of it is, is it was perfect. It was fine for 20 years. Well, yeah, but now and then, yeah, your tile's wearing out. You didn't do anything okay. wrong. The installation wasn't incorrect, okay. but there's something okay. wrong with the tile itself. Is there anything that I can do to, to fix that or you just have to put up with it? 
Nope. Yeah, there, there's nothing. I mean, when you get into the glaze, uh, you're you're actually the um, glass shiny surface portion over the top of your tile has cracked. Once the glass okay. cracks, and it's not exactly that, but it's akin to that. So you know, Norma, you're it. it the tile has started to wear out, and maybe yeah, the tile so that's was a. a long time. Yeah, maybe the tile was a wall tile and not a floor. You can have that kind of a problem. Well, it's where... on the wall. It's on the wall. It's not on the floor. Oh, oh. Yeah, it's, it's a, usually it's just a tile. all the walls of the bathroom, yeah. Well, and it's not all of the tiles. It's just some of them. Yeah. No, I suspect that's in the manufacturing and, and glazing process of making that tile. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Then I have one other question. Yeah. Um, tell me about uh, microwaves that are installed on a wall that does not go to the outside of your home. Uh, microwaves are not a problem. They are typically not vented, so it's not an issue. Uh, we put microwaves below the countertop in drawers. We put them in, on any wall. They sit on countertops. So there's no advantage or disadvantage of a microwave uh, on an interior exterior wall. Okay, I learned something new. I always thought that it had to be vented to the outside of your home. Now, if it's the vent, if it's a combination vent micro above your cooktop, that is true. But if you just have a okay. microwave, it, yeah, that's a different beast. Okay, if I'm remodeling my kitchen and I'm going to put my microwave above my stove, but the stove is going to be on an inside wall, is it still okay not to have a microwave that's vented? Uh, I prefer them vented. They have charcoal filters uh, that you can use, but I typically always vent. You're venting the cooktop. This is nothing about a microwave. You need, a, in my world, you need a vent that goes to the exterior unless you're unwilling to pay for it. Okay. Is there? Uh, is it? I'm going to have to go in five seconds to, here. Is it very expensive if you have to vent that out to the outside? Yes, Norma, it is, which is why sometimes it doesn't get done. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, back for Hour 2. All right, Hour 2, Lunchtime Home Improvement. Scott Mosby, truly at your service. This is University of KMOX, and I have 10 phone lines open. Well, not quite. We have a few uh, filled with some great questions. Wow, good stuff today. 314-436-7900, puts us together. Uh, I got uh, cut off a little bit with Norma. Norma, my apologies to you. Uh, uh, these uh, federal communication laws and proper timing tends to be uh, pretty high priority around here uh, on a uh, nationally ranked uh, radio station. So anyway, we had to go and get our business done. Uh, Norma, your uh, microwave vent, I want to get into this because... Um, it, it, it begs a different issue that, uh, uh, that my experience at Mosby Building Arts really, um, I want to share with you because it, it matters. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of my take on budgets and dollars. So Norma's question was, do microwaves have to be vented? Uh, can't come to find that she is getting and using in our new or, or design, uh, e evolving a vented microwave. And uh, can it be on an exterior wall or can it be on an interior wall? Number one, uh, once you move a microwave away from an exterior wall, and many, many designs suggest that a better location for the microwave or the cooktop is somewhere other, other than the ex uh, exterior wall. So at Mosby Building Arts, our certified kitchen designers get into this all the time, you know, and we'll move it wherever that kitchen best works because you know for the price of a kitchen and the shelf life 
of a kitchen done correctly, you know, it's going to be good or bad for decades. So, you know, at least at Mosby, we think, you know what, let's do it right. Put it where, you know, the ten thousands of times that you will load the dishwasher, that the dishwasher, the cooktop, the sink, and the microwave and the vent are all in the proper places. So, Sometimes we'll move a cooktop and a vent, whether it's a vent hood or a micro vent, whatever it is. And then our next thing is, is we want to duct it. We want the ductwork to go to the exterior, uh, frying grease, um, frying onions, um, whatever it is, uh, the cooking or just sheer smoke. Maybe you overcook something, you burn something in the pan. You know, how long will that smoke be in your house? Do you have to open all the windows as to, or does the vent exterior uh, exhaust it right away and get it done, taken care of right away? That costs more. And it's sometimes real uh, inconvenient to get open up the wall, put a ductwork in the wall. It has to be galvanized steel because it's potentially a blast furnace fire blowtorch if there's a fire occurrence or you have a, a stovetop fire. So it has to be done correctly, and then that gets vented all the way to the exterior of the house. That can be pricey, and that can add you know a couple days to a, a project schedule for a kitchen. So the point is, is should I do it? And that's where Norma was, was, gosh, do, you know, they're moving this to the inside wall. Now I have to pay to have it vented. Okay, uh, one of the roles that I've placed over or been in over the year at Mosby Building is calling people back and staying in touch and saying, what would you do differently about that project you did? Nine out of ten times, it's I would have vented the microwave. I would have upgraded to that better decking on the deck. I would have chosen the siding I really mattered, or I would have put brick where I wanted the brick. Because here's how the budget goes. Uh, and I, I humorously say, you know, people say, well, you know, that's a lot of money. It's like, well, the first 90% of the budget is the part that hurts. It's the big money. That's where the electric goes, the plumbing goes, the buying the cabinets, the floors, the underlayment, replumbing the stuff. Uh, new electric panel required now because we've upgraded over 20, 30 years to you know new electrical safety requirements. Uh, so frankly, all those, what I call the last 10%, that's the stuff that you and I have control over. You know, we have to do the wiring, we have to do the plumbing, you have to do all that stuff you're going to do the project. So people economize. That's the stuff that makes or breaks the joy in the project. So our wiser, more experienced clients pretty much spend that extra money at the end because that's the stuff that they see, feel, and touch. For example, the microwave vent, you know, that could be a thousand, twelve hundred dollars. Like, well, I don't need that. Okay, well, I promise you in three years when you do have a stovetop fire or you, or you burn those eggs or whatever it is, um, that $1,200 will be gladly spent. But the problem is you have to rip apart your kitchen to do it, and now it's $3,000. So my point being is if you're in any kind of a project, granted, you know, there's frugality and there's reason and consumer choices that you and I make. But if you're thinking about an option and it's just a little bit more, and I believe me, I know that's that's how our projects go and how I am personally is, you know, I want the better faucet. I want the better sink. Those are the things I will use 10 times a day, every day of my life, the rest of my life. So 
upgrade on those things, splurge. That's where luxury comes from. So people economize on some of those things. And when I call them back, I say, what would you do differently? It's like, you know, I, I bought that okay tile backsplash. You know, it's 10 years later, and it's still just an okay tile backsplash. It was a lot of money then. I wish I'd spent the extra money to get the glass tile backsplash that I really want, whatever it is. So anyway, that's kind of, you know, getting to Norma's, vent the microwave or not, yes, vent it, please. Uh, if you can't afford to vent it, that's okay. You can put in a carbon filter. Those are kind of a joke. They they make you feel better when you're buying it, but they don't really work very well, and they're very pricey to replace those carbon filters if you really, you know, try and keep them up. Uh, so, so vent it if you can. Uh, it gets down to dollars and cents, but it also gets to what part of the kitchen will make you mad or not in five years, three years, or even 10 years. So anyway, just just be aware of that. Um, got some phone callers and phone lines, 314-436-7900, 1120 uh, In my opening for hour one, I talked about uh, coloration and how to choose colors. Um, and frankly, when you pull up to a house, a house will have a siding color, a window color, the front door color, the color of the yard, color of the plantings, color of the driveway, color of the sidewalk and front porch, uh, shine on the glass or not, color of the roof, uh, all those things, the color of all the landscaping and surrounding of the neighbor's houses and such, all that has a personality, and 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 that's the given. So if you're changing a roof or you're changing a roof and siding or, you know, when you're properly doing it, you're really pretty much doing the outside all at one time. Color choice is a big deal. When you do it right, it's fabulous. And when you don't invest in it properly, like having enough experience or advice or spending the time to do it, or you just don't realize how important it is. Ladies, it's just like taking, you know, the wrong color uh, lipstick on you. And, you know, it's like, well, I met Susan last week. What do you remember? Well, I remember lipstick. Like, that's it. You know, that that's what you remember about a whole experience with a human new interaction. So my point is, is coloring is very important. And ladies, those of you that uh, do cosmetics, you know all about this. Uh, that, clothing, shoes, belt, hat, purse, all those accessories, all that stuff matters. And it's the same thing in a kitchen, same thing on a home exterior, same thing on picking a roof. So uh, invest properly when you're spending Ten or twenty thousand dollars, you know, on a roof or thirty or fifty or more. You by golly better spend as much time thinking about the color as you do the color of that new purse, because that purse is only hundreds of dollars. That roof is tens of thousands. So make sure you invest in those colors. And and so I know it's it's important. People really get. Uh, intimidated by that, but that's why there are designers, and that's, you know, people can do it. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, we're going to phone calls right after this on KMOX. All right, on we go. Get right to the phone lines here. I think I've uh, caught up with all my IOUs from hour one with uh, Norma's answer on the microwave vent, uh, as well as getting to the coloration and the science of choosing colors. Uh, let's see what's happening with my friend Mary. Hey, Mary, thanks for lunchtime here on CamWex. How may I help? Hi, Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. I was calling about a new product I heard. It is spray-on cork. And it is used for insulating and, I believe, waterproofing. And I'd like to use it in the basement. Is it expensive? Does anybody in the St. Louis area do it? And where is it made? 
I'll tell you what, I don't, that's a new one on me. I don't know about spray on cork. Really? I stumped, I, I, you stumped me. You flat out uh, pulled one out of the hat that the rabbit hasn't seen. All right. Well, I heard it's very good for basements, and it's a su- su- sustainable resource. And so it's supposed to be the new thing that's got, I've seen it on, like, home improvement shows okay. and things like that. Well, if if it was spray on cork, I know how it would be sprayed. Um, it would be a wet. Uh, there's a there's an insulation process uh, called wet blown cellulose, and it kind of comes out of a hopper spray gun, uh, like spatters uh-huh. on the wall, and it pretty okay. much puts cell. And then you let it dry. Well, if the solid in it was uh, cork. Little uh, uh, granules of cork, you're basically spraying cork in glue form on the wall, and that would be how it would work. Um, so effectively, you would have, you know, 30 to 40 percent of plastic adhesive mixed in with the cork. Cork is a renewable. It's it's a grown farmed resource. Uh, we use cork on floors. Um, I, I don't think it would be a cork board surface that you would, re- it would. It would not be smooth enough unless it was wet troweled to a flat, smooth surface. And I, I don't know that that's the way to do it. But uh, uh, anyway, right. that's generically how, if it existed, that's how it would work. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yep. You're welcome. Take care. Bye now. Well, there we go. Wow. Spray cork. Blows my mind. I never heard of such a thing. Um, it might be um, an insulate, insulator. It would most certainly be a sound a deadening product. So uh, spray cork, it's kind of like spray foam. Spray foam is pretty much all um, either soy-based or chemical-based, so the off-gassing of both are significant. Spray cork uh, would have more of a high solids content, so the off-gassing would be limited only to the adhesive carrier in there. Let's see what's happening with uh, my other friend, uh, David. Hey, David, you've been waiting. Thank you for your patience, sir. How can I help? Yeah, my house is nine years old. Two bed and one bath, unfinished basement. Uh, when the floor drain, when the dish, when the clothes washer drains into that floor drain, the basement, uh-huh. uh, I get a leak in the yard about fifty, uh, twenty-five yards back, towards the back in the back of the yard. So, I need to know. Uh, obviously, it's collapsed or something. Uh, probably not. Be quite expensive. Uh, probably not collapsed here, David, um, but likely separated on a nine-year-old house. Ninety. Um, Oh, 90. Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, 90-year-old house, you have an old clay tile pipe, uh, vitreous china, which is that brown uh, out outside is glazed china. And it it's just clay. It just fell apart. Uh, you will likely face replacement not of that point. And frankly, even if you dig it up, um, uh, you're into sewer cancer. The pipes outside are bad. The pipes inside your house under the floor are probably just as bad. The issue is when your stack plumbing comes down and goes under the floor in your house, uh, uh, 
it's time to replace it all. So if you go in to repair just that collapsed part, the problem is the sewer guys may come back with this enormous change order because as they dig up that pipe, they know right where it is. They can scope it and find out what it is, uh, which, by the way, is my first advice for you, David, is get a scope in there, a camera, somebody that can run a fiber optic camera on the end of what looks like a sewer cable or sewer cleaner cable. They come up with a big coil, but it's basically a TV camera or video camera. They run it down. They can tell right where it is. They can inspect the inside and show you pictures and videos of what uh, the inside of that pipe looks like. That's the next thing for you because uh, you're into some big dollars. And if you try to just fix those areas, you'll be in for big surprises because, you know, you may you know, have a collapse in three feet, but the two sections of pipe to the other left and right of that three foot bad section, there may be nothing solid to connect to. So soon, you know, the whole thing is, you, there's just no, you know, it's like rust on a car. You go until you hit real steel. Well, you may not find any real China on that pipe worthy to connect to. Where does that pipe tie into when it goes away from the house? Uh, it ties into a sewer main that is owned by MSD. So you own everything in your house, in your yard, all the way out to where it connects into the big pipe, the sewer main. So MSD is responsible for that one. And the tie-in, it, and again, you get into that same problem. When you get into that, if MSD hasn't messed with the main in, a, in 90 or 100 years, sometimes the plumbers have a real handful, too, where you're trying to connect in your sewer after replacing that 90 feet out there or whatever, and all of a sudden, MSD has to come in and give you something solid to connect to. So it's it's a it's fun <laughs> slash okay. expensive. Right. All right, David, take care. Bye now. Boy, that's a that's a tough call to have because uh, effectively, if you've ever had, it's kind of like a doctor facing cancer. He's going to remove the cancer, or she's going to remove the cancer until she gets to good flesh that can take a suture or a connection or the re uh, interaction with good and bad. Uh, you have to cut all the bad out, whether and then auto body works, uh, rusting, uh, or if you've got rotted wood where you're painting a house, the same. You've got to just get rid of that rotted wood because the paint won't last. Likewise with sewer what's underground uh, uh, classic cast iron pipes in the floor um, frankly those last longer than the ones up in the uh, vertical risers inside the house but the point is that once you get to 90 years old and it starts about 60 sometimes the cast iron starts going at 60 but 90 means you're well past and uh, typically if any of you are out there buying a home uh, in your due diligence of home inspectors, and this is an add-on cost, if you're in a house that's anything more than 30 years old, I advise you to hire a camera crew to come out and fiber optically inspect that sewer line because you own it. It's yours. Um, anyway, um, let's see what's out, uh, up and go on to my friend John. Hey, John, good uh, afternoon. Welcome to lunch on Camoix. How can I help? Hi, hi Scott. Yeah. I've got a... I've got a little problem. Um, it's a, not a, it's not much, but we've got a walkout basement. Uh-huh. And and about thirty years ago, I poured a brick, a square concrete patio outside that door. Okay. Um, after all these years, either the house is moving or the patio's moving. I'm not sure which. Mm-hmm. But I've got about. At one end, I've got about seven-eighths of a difference between the footing on the house and the, the patio. 
patio is down. Remove the patio. And the patio has sunken. It, the patio's dropped. Yeah, either yeah. patio. No, the patio's up. Oh, the patio's up. Okay. Yeah, the patio's up. The house is down. Okay, I can tell you what's up and why. Okay, talk to me. Um, the patio is at the low point of your yard. Basically, your walk out there. Uh, what has happened? is that the moisture slopes, goes down underneath that concrete slab, winter comes, and it freezes and it lifts up your patio. Okay. Uh, after X number of years of that, typically the patio doesn't settle back down. And uh, despite all surprises to most homeowners, uh, cracks in garage floors usually are from freezing and heaving. And then when they settle back down, they drop. Uh, so uh, unbeknownst to most, the freezing and heaving is what is moving your patio. And the problem is that it doesn't settle back down or nestle back into that gravel or dirt underneath it so what what you're gonna to have to replace this patio to change this and what it is is it's a water management solution you'll need drain tile um, pipes and a drain going away from underneath that so that uh, basically before the concrete goes on you could just turn the hose on and never see standing water it would drain in that gravel collect in those pipes and gravity exhaust to some place away that's how to protect your future concrete so that any moisture gets in there is trapped and drained through that clean gravel underneath it and doesn't result in a heave of your concrete. Do you, do you follow that whole thought? Okay. I, I, yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I really want to yeah. Yeah. take Pay for that, that out. Yeah. What I was wondering is, is there any kind of a product that I can buy, like a, like a, like a blacktop or something, that I can put in the little difference between the patio and the house? Yes. Just kind of level that up. Yes. Uh, yes, I have seen these in commercial spaces. There are, um, they're kind of made out of old tires, um, and it's a black rubber sloped threshold, and I think they get cut. Um, I don't know where you get these. I've seen them, uh, you know, I've seen them at various city halls around where concrete, you know, moves around after 10, 20, 30 years. Some of those things are pretty old. And uh, basically, they have glued this thing in, you know, where there might be three, and it needs to be three quarters of an inch or more for this thing to have a, to be to stick on and, and stay. So there are products. I I wouldn't know where quite to find them, but uh, I would suspect that they're um, more on the internet more, and they're more around commercial exterior spaces. And it would be transition leveler for concrete, you know, misaligned concrete slabs or something so yes there is um they look like they'd be you know maybe 30 dollars a foot so if you get something 15 feet long you know you could have you know 800 dollars or a thousand dollars into this thing i see all right well i appreciate the help you bet take care good question uh it took me a while to catch up with you there brother all right thanks a lot all right Bye. john take care Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, Hour 2. We've got another half an hour here, some phone lines and opportunities for you to get on board here. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. For those of you that are at home and bored and have time and you want to look on uh, callmosby.com, you're welcome to look on and see some great bathroom trends. Uh, We've got some great information and new things around master bathroom modeling, you know, how you go about uh, doing that. You heard 
all my talk about coloration and the science of colors. Well, doing various projects and products and colorations, can I mix a Kohler white with an American Standard white with a uh, Gerber white? Well, no, you can't. But you need to know these things. Anyway, so callmosby.com is kind of the cool place also for front entries we have some of that uh, on board as well it's just a great place to go and get some questions answered just like here on cam wax scott mosby at your service i'll be right back for more after this all right good afternoon scott mosby cam wax we've got another 30 minutes of the show and i'm getting a little lonely after all those questions i have many 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 phone lines open for you 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 so before you go outside to get all that done give me a call we'll talk about how and where and how you're going to go about doing that thing today 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 let's talk with my friend gary hey gary good afternoon Welcome to Camwex. How can I help, sir? Hi, Scott. Scott, we have a uh, swampy backyard with some seasonal frogs who visit us also because of the wetness. We had a problem with a wet basement a couple of years ago, so he'll take him out. They did a fantastic job of solving the problem, and they put in a couple of sump pumps. Uh, one of the sump pumps, you know, put some water in the backyard. We are, we're also like on a water table. We have like a gradual descent, you know, from the the other words down there. So we get a little bit of water. And the problem is when the water comes out, it's kind of uh, staying like one place in the yard. Uh, we're about uh, three or four feet, the legal limit, you know, from the neighbor's fence. Uh, the resulting water, of course, goes like in, in their yard also on that. And is there a way, what would you recommend to solve the problem of uh, uh, maybe everything, maybe putting gravel there or planting bushes or or what would you recommend? Gary, is there any place where you can drain that water down to? Is there enough slope toward the street or, or another place where you could uh, collect the water and then bury and slope a pipe away to get rid of that water? Would that be like a French drain or something or an yeah. actual? Yeah, yeah. Collect. Uh, you, what you're, you're in a perfect situation of a French drain, but what uh, what makes French drains not work is there's no place to get rid of the water. So digging a trench, filling it with gravel, collecting the water, putting in a perforated pipe, all that stuff is is pretty easy to do. The hard part is when you collect it, you know, you need enough uh, drop or terrain fall um, and a place to drain the water to. It, it, does your neighborhood have anything like that, you know, within 75 feet? Mm -hmm. uh, I guess we could uh, have one of the neighbors, uh, they have a, a drain also. Um, it's like it looks like a white pipe, like her sump pump does. It goes out into right. the street, yeah. And it's under their yard and goes into the sidewalk. Yeah, so that's, that's 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 an actual green. Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. The problem with that is the uh, the municipalities don't allow you to dump water. You know, if it was Florida, it wouldn't be a real big deal. But it's St. Louis, and in December, January, and February, that water turns into ice and a hazard, so it becomes an issue. So, you know, the cities don't like you messing with their curbs and their streets and their sidewalks. But mm -hmm. that's exactly what the first thing is uh, the next thing is is can you pump it somewhere you know but then you're into an outdoor sump pump those are fraught with maintenance issues and things but you're describing the perfect scenario for a french drain but it needs to have a place far enough away and low enough 
to drain that water. And that's usually a quarter of an inch fall per foot. So if you're going to have your bottom of your French drain, say, 10 inches deep roughly, you know, so you're 10 inches down, and then you your pipe being, say, let's say it runs 75 feet or 100 feet, you know, that's 75 or 100 quarters. That's two feet of fall. after. So you need a total of three feet of drop roughly to drain that pipe somewhere between, you know, two and three feet of, of fall to get rid of the water that you gather in that French drain. Mm-hmm. Well, would planting some bushes back there, that which might help to absorb the water, yep. you? Absolutely, because that's where you go is like, okay, I can't get rid of the water. All right, who loves this water? It's like, well, then you get into the birch trees. You get into the plants that uh, love a lot of water. Um, you know, that's uh, – anyway, so then you get into it with a planting thing. You can actually uh, gather that water in a bit of an underground drain and uh, and and then – you know, it, it, pump it out away later. Uh, some people use it with their underground rain gardens where they'll gather that water in an underground pit. It's like an underground um, uh, pond, if you will, but then you cover it up to where, you know, the top is is solid, and then they use that for watering throughout the summer. But I, I think you're in a situation where you're just looking for the plants, and it, it's a landscaping uh, plant choice that will dry it out faster. Would a gravel garden help some also? Not really. It, not really, because if you can't, the gravel garden will collect the water very nicely. But if it can't get rid of it, if it won't surface water drain like a swale, you know, can you drain, can you cut a real gradual ditch to where the water surface water runs off? Uh, you still need that fall for a gravel collection like that. Oh, okay. Would you recommend any, any specific type of uh, shrubbery or or bushes to absorb the water? Um, I'm not that guy. Uh, that's where we, you know, our designers know those things. Uh, they get into that, and we also get involved with landscapers. But that's really much a, a landscaping. I would go to a nursery uh, or engage with a landscaping company about that issue. Uh, hey, Mike Miller could tell you. I'm, I'm just okay. not Mike Miller. Okay, sounds pretty good. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, Gary, good question, and and you're not alone. There are a lot of listeners in this situation, especially this time of year with all the rain we've had and will have. Thanks, Gary. Okay, thank you. All righty, bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mose. We're going to take a short pause and come back for more right after this on University of KMOX. And for any of you uh, that are interested in getting in touch with uh, me or Mosby Building Arts, our uh, Two methods of uh, reaching uh, out to Mosby Building Arts are a phone number or the website. The web- website is callmosby.com, like telephone, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y dot C-O-M. Or the phone number is 314-909-1800. So if you'd like to reach out to us uh, and anything further you heard here today, you're welcome to. We'll help you however we can. Uh, let's go to the phones and talk with my friend Greg. Hey, Greg, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How may I help you on this fine, beautiful day? Whoops, yes, hang on, God, Greg. Um, yeah. My garage floor has a um, well, pretty good-sized crack all the way across. Mm-hmm. What could be causing that, Scott? Is it a straight line or is it a jagged line? Uh, pretty much a straight line. Okay, uh, it's probably a uh, control joint. Um, in concrete floors on garages, um, there's uh, an expansion joint or a groove. So you can put a notch and groove the concrete, um, or 
in 20, 30 years ago, we would actually put in an edger, a scoring tool, and actually weaken the concrete. So we would cut a groove in the concrete for the top half inch in a straight line, knowing full well that when those, you know, thousand gallons of water goes away, something's going to shrink and something's going to crack. Uh, mm-hmm. So one of the methods is that control joint, and then you fill it back in with paste, sand, and cement. So you have a nice, smooth concrete floor, but when it fails and shrinks and cracks, it cracks in an aesthetically straight line. Um, and so I would propose that that is a sign of good craftsmanship, good planning, and good concrete. Um, and nowadays what happens is we will pour these concrete floors. We'll pour them, you know, smooth all the way through. And then 24 hours the following day we use a soft cut cutting tool we actually saw the concrete when the concrete is very green so we cut a slot in it and what we're doing is pre-weakening in a good looking method the concrete so that when it does crack it it's uh pretty instead of ugly so i think you've got a control joint yeah control joint yeah um so actually uh, i guess uh like that uh scott for the last i noticed 20 years that crack, and I, I've always wanted to try and tackle that. And you, you're saying, uh, what, what exactly you think caused that in the first place, uh, Scott? Uh, usually just shrinkage. I mean, when you uh, when you when you look at all the stuff that goes into a concrete truck full of stuff, a whole bunch of gravel goes in, a bunch of sand, and then a bunch of cement, and then they put hundreds and hundreds of gallons of water in. Well, that sand, cement, and the and the and the gravel all stays, but there's a ton of volume. That goes away. So that's where concrete typically shrinks when it cures. And as it shrinks, it weakens in those weak places. So rather than have some ugly crack that cracks diagonally across your garage floor, your cement masons, the really good ones, actually put a control joint in there. Nowadays, we do it with these soft-cut saws. But it's it's a sign of good concrete in my world. I mean, so if it's pretty straight, that's intentional and usually pretty attractive. And uh, I guess uh, it could uh, also cold weather cause a little shrinkage problem. Well, sure. I mean, if you have a driveway and say you're in a low area and the concrete guy looks around and's like, yeah, this neighborhood, this house is going to have some wet soil around it. Then they realize that soil will get wet underneath. And when it freezes, that concrete will come up. Likewise, they will do that control joint or expansion joint. They weaken the concrete in mm-hmm. some aesthetically pleasing way instead of let Mother Nature create this jagged, ragged, you know, errant caulk or breaking really? joint that indicates yeah, bad, who you know, surely somebody could have planned this better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just a kind of an eyesore, uh, Scott, and make it look better. Just go ahead and do what you told me and go from there. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it too much. It's usually uh, an indicator of good things, and if it stays real small like that, um, it, it's it's a bit of a problem to uh, caulk because it, if it's so small, you almost have to put tape down on the floor and then inject, you know, like a caulk into that and then cut the tape so that you have a jagged, you know, uh, crack and then inject caulk in it, clean it up, then pull the tape off and take away the mess. Well, you better be pretty darn good to do that. You know, or else you're going to make it worse looking. Okay, Scott, well, you've answered my question. Thank you, sir, and have a great day. All right. Thanks, Greg. Take care. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. 
And, and people hear me, you know, advertise about, you know, BMW concrete, and that that's the kind of stuff they do. It's like, okay, concrete's going to crack. We know that. Okay, how do we make it not ugly? Okay, well, we'll, we'll do this soft-cut method now. Uh, years ago, it used to be a control joint where they just put a groover edge and they weaken it. Uh, on driveways, when you see those edging tools well, where you will see, you know, uh, grooves and sections like a 10 by 10 plate, those are actually methods to allow the concrete to move, shrink, expand, contract. Um, and, you know, 10 years later, that expansion joint, usually the asphalt material, sometimes wood, uh, sometimes plastic things on pool, those things you know, fail with ultraviolet light and Mother Nature. You know, Mother Nature's turning us all back into dust, and that's when you go back and you caulk those joints. Um, so there are, uh, when you get into those joints, and they're uh, sizable, uh, for example, there is, uh, oh, uh, two or three brand, two or three brands of, of commercial urethane, one part urethane caulk, uh, usually the grain color. So when you go to the municipal swimming pools and you see that gray caulk in between the big chunks of concrete, that's usually one of those uh, products um, that might be Sika, S-I-K-A dash Sika Flex. Sika is uh, a brand name of a high quality caulk. So, you know, highway guys and commercial um, and glazing contractors on 100 story tall buildings, they know that stuff anyway that's the product that goes in and replaces that uh, i've got a little bit of stuff to clean up here from hour two uh, mary started out um, w- uh, with a, a new product i hadn't heard of before and it was spray on cork and she said she saw it on one of the home shows uh, and that's an, an interesting method uh, because when you get to a new product say you've got a spray on cork or years ago it was spray foam uh, you know then you get into all the various um new product manufacturer innovations and there's a ton of them because there's a lot of opportunity to make things better faster quicker better you know that's one of the terms uh, you know at mosby building arts was better faster better smarter quicker faster uh so anyway that and and i hadn't heard of the spray on foam spray on foam uh, the way they're doing that is, okay, how do we get a new product out to the public? Uh, and this gets into the business kind of few marketing minds out there. There's, there's pushing the product, which is advertising, pushing a new idea, you know, in, in form. And then the other is pulling it, getting it to the public and getting the public informed of this new product and requesting it back. Much of this radio show is involved in pulling my commitment and whole mission to you is getting you as the consumers smart enough to know just enough about what you're asking for that you can engage with a professional contractor or an architect or a product designer might be kitchen cabinets or a floor choice um, you know or you know as we got into uh, uh, you know various issues throughout this show um, you know, Linda in our one had a, a sunroom added. Uh, she, you know, she called like, what are likely the issues that I'm facing? So we kind of went to school. Anyway, so my point is, is trying reaching out to a consumer to make you a better, smarter, more prepared consumer to engage. Um, and, and sometimes um, it, it, I, I, less is more. 
the less you know, the more you need from a contractor. But the issue is less doesn't mean nothing. I want to know just enough about what I'm talking to, talking about that I know when somebody has command over that topic. Uh, if I'm going to pay for a service, I want to buy it from somebody who knows more than me. And that's exactly how we work at Mosby Building Arts. If we're hiring a trade partner, a contractor, electrician, a plumber, uh, whomever it is, they better know their business way better than we do. And if they don't, then they're just a material applier. Well, that's different than a full service, uh, you know, I'll solve your problem sort of company. Uh, so anyway, with Mary, I wanted to mention that spray on cork, um, it would be an incredible sound deadener. Uh, would be an effective insulator. She was mentioning it was good for basements. So your basement still better be dry because cork will hold moisture. Uh, it is a naturally uh, occurring um, material cork trees. So that in liquid applied spray foam could go in a basement. Um, you know, so, you know, that was another one. And then uh, John had an interesting thing with a walkout basement. His patio had raised up and, uh, you know, Cole Duggar, our, uh, my producer today uh, has seen that beveled rubber like post tire um, uh, level uh, sloped uh, threshold is what I would call it. But anyway, they are available out there. I've seen them in commercial spaces, shopping centers, uh, city halls, that sort of thing. Uh, so anyway. It, it's interesting how we filled up the first two hours, um, and indeed, we talked with John about putting new tile. He was putting vinyl over the tile. Um, you know, I still think that requires a little bit of homework because you get what you pay for. It's important whether you do it yourself or not. Going that little bit further makes things work out better. Well, stay tuned. More coming up on Camo X. Scott Mosby at your service. It's been a wonderful two hours, and like you, I'm going outside on this glorious day right here. Here in the middle of the country. KMOX Home Improvement. God bless you all. Take care, folks.